Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Out with me, Susie Ruffle. This is series eight, episode seven, and it is the final episode of this series. Thank you so much for listening. Before I begin, I would like to say thanks to so many of you that got in touch last week after James's episode. It seemed that his story and his outlook really resonated with lots of you. So I'm so pleased that we had the opportunity to share his journey as a humanist and what that all means. And yeah, I found it fascinating and it seems that loads of you did as well. So I'm thrilled about that. Also, this weekend I was in Folkestone and I was chatting to Hunter, who listens to the podcast every week, hello, and their partner, who I think was called Charlie, but I'm really sorry if that's wrong, because I, I was, I'd just come off stage, and so I'm all a bit all over the place when I chat to people when I come off stage, but, so please forgive me if that's incorrect, but she was telling me that she has a bookshop in Folkestone, called the Folkestone Bookshop, that has loads and loads of queer literature, so I just thought I'd mention it, because maybe you're near there, and maybe you're looking for somewhere to go and get your books and maybe that'd be good for you to know. So I thought I'd let you know. So yeah, hello, and thank you to so many of you that have been coming to my stand-up shows. So many people have waited for me afterwards and said such lovely things about the podcast and about the show. It really does mean the world to me. This week I'm off to Aberdeen, Dundee, and Newbury, and then I've just got Brighton, Bury St Edmunds, and my show at the Bloomsbury Theatre which is in January which is the one that I'm filming so if you're coming along um, I hope that you really enjoy the show there's a handful of tickets left to a couple of those dates so if you're thinking about coming my website's susieruffle.com but you probably know that if you listen every week I've got a brilliant episode for you today Harriet Rose I love her we had such a fun chat she's absolutely brilliant really insightful really supportive inspiring just just an all-round great girl who I loved spending time with and is really about uplifting women and being an ally to other people within our community and just one of the good guys. Do you know what I mean? So I'm really, really pleased that we're ending the series with her. But before then, as always, I have some listener emails to share with you. Hey, Susie, I'm not sure if you'll even see this, but I felt so drawn to writing to you. I've just turned 50. I've had a difficult year and having undertaken some counselling, which has revealed things to others that I never thought would see the light of day and in turn have spent many, many hours looking inwardly. I'm still struggling to find the answers I feel desperately in search of. Anyway, I searched for podcasts with you and found out in my usual style. I started at the very beginning. It is totally compelling, heartwarming and painful at times. I realised this year what enormous weight I've carried for pretty much my whole life, mainly through shame, as I now recognise it. I was abused as a child and I didn't fit in anywhere. My coming out 30-ish years ago was horrible, after years of an internal battle, and I still don't really feel like I fit in anywhere. I've been in a civil partnership since 2008 and have two wonderful children. I'm the non-biological one, and it still doesn't feel quite right. 
Now I'm feeling all the weight in trying to vocalise this to my wife, who really doesn't know how I feel. It all feels a bit too much. Anyway, I'm not seeking help, but you're always so kind when you share other stories, it made me want to say hi. I'll keep binging your show to at least try and get up to date, but also hear the regular nuggets that help me get through my day. Thank you so much for all that you do. I'm not going to share your name because you might not want me to, but thank you so much for sharing your story and I really hope that you're doing okay. And I mean, yeah, counselling and therapy, it, it, it unboxes lots of things, but it's always good, isn't it? And then you can sort of put them in more organised boxes. I think that's, is that right? I think that's right. I hope that's right. That's what I've done. Um, but thank you so much. And I'm so pleased that this podcast gives you, as you said, the little nuggets that help you through your day. That genuinely means so much to me. Okay, let's have another one. Hi, Susie. I'm decorating the bathroom and listening to your wonderful podcast and felt compelled to write to you in regards to the above podcast with Sarah Keyworth. I'm a 62-year-old gay woman and have only in the last couple of years gained the confidence to be myself entirely. I welled up with tears, not like me, when I heard Sarah talking about their childhood. I went through exactly the same thing growing up in the 60s and early 70s, although it may have been even more confusing back then as there was absolutely no one at all to look up to as a role model. I was exactly the same, hated wearing dresses, not wanting to do girly things and just wanted to dress how I wanted to dress. But whatever I did wear, the other kids would call me names as if they knew, like I did, that I was different. So much confusion. I was, however, aware that I preferred women for all sorts of reasons for a very, very young age. Again, confusing. I grew up in a homophobic environment and was told to leave when I was 18, so I made my own life from nothing. The thing that really resonated for me and that I admire Sarah so much for is the fact that they got over their fears. I could never talk in public and hated being in the limelight, which ruined my career. And I wonder so much these days, if I hadn't been treated differently as a kid, what I could have really achieved. I guess I'll never know. It's not all doom and gloom, though. I'm married to a wonderful woman, have retired and play golf all the time. Anyway, keep up this wonderful, thought-provoking podcast. And the live show's coming. We came to see you at the Soho Theatre this year and it was so, so funny. All my very best to you and your family. And that's from Deborah. Thank you, Deborah. I'm so pleased that you enjoy the podcast so much. I will keep making this podcast, I promise you. I am having a little break now. I'm having a little break from stand-up and I'm having a little break from out. I'll still be doing Big Kick Energy uh, if you're into football. If you're not into football, also give that a listen and I'll still be doing Like-Minded Friends. But I'm having a little break from out and a little break from stand-up because I'm focusing on a writing project, um, which I'll be able to, uh, which I'll be announcing next year and I'll be talking about more next year but I've got to do lots of work on it right now so and I do you know what I'm ready for I'm ready for some family time oh I've been on the road a bit much to be honest and I am so ready to hang out with my wife and my little girl and just have some downtime at the end of the year I hope that you understand that but I will be back with this podcast and more brilliant conversations early next year I don't know when exactly but I will Right, let's get on with today's conversation with the fantastic Harriet Rose. I love this. I hope that you do too. Oh, hi, listener. I've got another fantastic guest for you today. Now, you'll probably be aware of her. Her name is Harriet Rose, and she is presenter, DJ, and broadcaster. You'll know her from hosting the hugely successful Kiss FM Breakfast Show and is a regular host for MTV. She has interviewed some of the biggest names in music, including Sam Smith, Dua Lipa, and Lizzo. A highly in-demand DJ, she's performed all across the world at events, parties, and festivals. She says her goal is to talk about queerness in every possible scenario. Out and 
proud she is unapologetically herself on the Kiss FM Breakfast Show, waking up over four and a half million listeners, which is pretty impressive, let's be honest. I'm very excited to chat to her today. The interviewer becomes the interviewee. Welcome to the show, Harriet. Oh, that was lovely. Well, you're welcome. I felt shy. I was like, I don't want to look at you while oh, you're really? being so nice to me. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like you're a shy person. No, I'm not. I'm not a shy person, but I'm extremely self-deprecating. So, so when people are nice to me, you I'm a nightmare on a date because I'm like, shut up. <laughs> if someone's nice to me, I'm like, shut up. I'm hideous. That's... But then I also want them to adore me because I'm a Leo. So it's like a very bizarre... Merging of both. It sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it sounds like being a woman, I think. You know, like we love praise, but also we don't expect it. So when it happens, it's like, what? Don't be like that to me. I don't like it. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. You're really busy at the moment. Yes, it's nice. Because I've been doing, I've been in this industry for like 10 years. Uh And it was like, I remember when I was younger and I first realised I wanted to be a presenter, I was like, I want it now. Mm -hmm. I want it yesterday. Oh, I'm so like that with work. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Like, get it done. Yeah. Get get it done. Give me my show. And if I had got the kind of, like, success... I hate even hate saying that because I'm like, I'm not successful. Um, The success that I have now, if I'd got that at 25, I would have been cancelled, thrown in a bin. Not because I'd do anything wrong, but just because I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Whereas now... Like, when I'm around lots of, like, younger girlies who are in the industry, I'm like, oh, I feel for you because Mm. I've just lost a lot of um, the things that you really care about when you're younger. Like, I don't really care what I look like. I don't really care um, if I look vile in an interview. Like, I'll do an interview on one hour's sleep and be like, yeah, well, as long as the interview's good, I don't care. So a lot of the things that I used to care about, I don't care about anymore. And I can handle if someone's... I, I don't obviously know the full extent of how much I can handle, but... When people are mean to me, I can laugh it off more than I... You know, what? one person would make one comment mm. about me and I would cry and be like, oh my God, it means I'm awful. So I no longer sort of take other people's opinions. Who is it that says, is it Brene Brown? She she wrote like that she carries around a list of people whose opinions actually matter. Yeah, that's good. Um, I don't know, but it sounds like kind of Brene Brown it thing is, to do. It, yeah. she, and she kind of coined that for me where I was like, do you know what, actually? The people I keep very close, I really find funny. I highly rate their success and their talent. And therefore, like, I'm quite happy to let their opinions sit with me. And none of my friends let me get away with anything, if you know what I mean. Yeah, right. They're not the kind of yes men that you would think. Like, they're just like, that was not good. This was good. You know what I mean? So I feel yeah. safe with their opinion so when someone random and if anything it's quite exciting now when someone says something mean because I'm like oh guess I'm making an impression babes yeah right yeah do you think that when the sort of because I really really relate to that uh when I was a newer stand-up things would really hurt me well a stand-up is so much that's opening your heart to splitting your heart open and being like go on have a go (laughs) because because you're taking the piss out of other people a lot of the time well, people honest, feel the need to take the piss. Not you personally, but no, like, no, I think, up. yeah, I think that it's exposing. Yes, um, that's the word I was looking for. It is exposing, but I think you have to decide whose opinion you're going to care about. I think you're absolutely right. Do mm. you think that it's as you've now that you trust yourself in the job more mm-hmm. that you know that you're good? That other people, like when you were still learning ten years ago, yeah, was there like an element of uncertainty because you were? still sort of making your way, working out how you didn't just present things, but you presented things as you. 100%. I I remember, I, I knew this person that I'm no longer really in contact with and 
it was back when I used to only take other people's affirmation as proof that I was good Mm -hmm. because I think as a girl and I'm sure a lot of men can relate to this as well but I know only from the female perspective um there was this idea that I wasn't good unless people thought I was good Mm -hmm. yeah and I remember saying to my ex I was like oh I, I said to this person you know oh I'm a bit worried that I'm not good because I wasn't getting the work that I thought I wanted to get and and they just never responded. And I took that to mean I was rubbish. And it was a real turning point for me where I was like, oh my God, like you can't, if talent is uh, a spectrum and it's also mm. like individual to the, to the, to the viewer, I guess, yes, the taste. person watching. It's like music. It's like anything. It's, it's, it's some people love how that person does a thing other people love how someone else does a thing and that's good exactly and when I started to sit in the fact that people weren't going to like what I did and thought I would think I was weird it was in the pandemic actually really that it really changed for me because I started really being myself I started talking more about being queer I started um, posting videos of me being as fully weird as I am <laughs> and you do shed the followers that aren't into that and then I gained a lot more people who were as weird as me and I love that because now I can fully be myself I've never felt more free than I do now and I think that's something about turning 30 as well you kind of lose the the need to to be uh, approved of by other people but I I literally remember I remember my ex-girlfriend who was wonderfully supportive of my career she once said to me Oh, I wouldn't be... And this sounds harsh, but it was actually great. She said, I wouldn't be with you if you were bad because it would cringe me out. Yeah. And it's like, so it's that kind of thing of like, even though that was wonderful at the time and I needed to hear that, actually now I'm like, I am cringe and weird and stupid and silly. Mm-hmm. And that's not what she meant. She meant talent-wise, not sort yeah. of like, you know, my style. But I think I've just learned to be myself and be like, okay, well, some people are going to think you're lame. And actually, I quite, I quite love lame people and cringe people and weird people. So if that's what I like, then why would I want to try and be something that I'm not? Yeah, totally. And I think that you... I'm I'm 37 and I think certainly as I've sort of slowly start approaching my 40s, there's mm-hmm. definitely been a part of me that sort of goes, well, this is it. Yeah. Like, this is the thing. This mm-hmm. is who I am. Like, mm-hmm. I can't... I feel like I was like trying to like put on different hats throughout my 20s being like, do you like this one? What about this one? Do you like it a bit like this? Should I be a bit like that? Like just constantly trying to to get, affirmate, affirming is a really good word because trying to get someone to go like, yeah, that's great. You do that thing. Whereas you can't sort of pretend forever. Or if you do, I think that's like you see people in this industry who have sort of gone like sort of slightly, you meet them and you're like, are you okay? Are yeah. you all right? Because it feels like you're exhausted by just having to be this version of yourself mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, I talk to my therapist about this a lot because I'm like Harriet Rose and then I'm Haz. And like <laughs> right. Haz is very different, a different person. I can be very introverted. I can be very... But what I am is very communicative because what I used to do was exactly that. I would be Harriet Rose all the time, never yeah. stop. And then I would have these like mini breakdowns of like staying inside for a week and crying and being like, mm. oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Whereas now, if I'm, for example, on a shoot and I feel a bit like, oh, I'm being, I'm not quite ready to be Harriet Rose... I just let the crew know and I'm like, guys, don't take it personally. I'm just not really going to speak for a bit. Because like, for example, I did the Brits red carpet this year and it was so good and we got such good content, but it is two and a half hours 
of being on, 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 it, on. Is constantly. it like a mad pressure as well? Mad because you're having to get something from everybody. You want to grab people as they're trying to run away and all this stuff. Yeah. And then afterwards, I got to the table. It, I went, got luckily got asked to go and actually go attend the Brits. And I was like, guys, I am just going to need ten minutes of complete silence, as in me, not you guys. You guys crack on around yeah. me, and everyone gets it because you, when you're open and honest about it. Whereas before, I was so scared to be like that, and then people would be like, oh, she's like she's weird, rude. isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely do get that fatigue. But then I've bal- I've got the life balance now, where I I will I know when I do a big event like the EMAs or the Brits I know I'm going to need a few days alone or seeing minimal people where I just kind of decompress and watch horror films all day do you have like a build up to those sort of big jobs as well is it like I'm just so excited right do you how do you deal with nerves I used to be way worse than I am not worse I used to be way more affected than I am I used to be I could not function if I was doing something I'd never done before right okay so and I, my best friends are my hair and makeup. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and that's like, handy. Yeah, and I've been, they, they've been my best friends for so long and they are another part of like my team. I'm surrounded by people that I'm extremely close with. So they, when I, for example, if like when I was doing Big Breakfast on Channel 4, it was like my first ever live TV, mm-hmm. but I had my makeup artist with me. And so he knew what, to, like he knows how, because before I go on, I will just be completely silent. Right, like, okay. I just don't speak. And people will be talking to me and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just won't. And people are like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely fine. I just, it's almost like I'm internally doing all the things. And then I get on and I'm like, bam, here we yeah. go. It's like power down. Just yeah, I just power down. I power down before and after. And then sometimes I don't power down. And then it's like, mm, it's probably <laughs> right. power down. Okay. Quite often in this podcast, we sort of work a bit chronologically. Now, I've read... Yeah. There's obviously, most of the stuff that's out there about you is you talking to other people. There's not actually that much stuff Mm. about you. Yeah, she's so mysterious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I know that you, I don't know where you grew up. Yeah. Whereabouts did you grow up? I'm from the Midlands, Bab. Are you from the whereabouts? I'm from near um, Leamington Spa. I've been there. Have you? I've done a gig there. Yeah, of Have course. Have you? Of course. I've gigged all over the place. Yes. Yeah, so I'm from near sort of like the West Midlands I'm from. My, yeah. So my dad was Irish and my mum is from Essex. Mm-hmm. And But my dad moved to Birmingham when he was like 18. And then uh, my parents met in London because they both went to uni in London. So it's all very mishmash. But yeah, mm. then we, we settled in the West Midlands where most of my dad's family were from. And did you... I know it's... I've read that you said that when you were growing up, you would like be in musicals or you'd yeah. be into musicals yeah. like no I was in them Nancy and Oliver and things yeah. like that Bugsy and Bugsy Malone yeah. sure yeah um acting was the thing initially yeah it really was I just loved making people laugh mm-hmm. so performing was like a really big deal for me and also I'm not academic in the slightest mm-hmm. and I really struggled with um concentration and focus and I'm in the process of getting diagnosed with ADHD and I do believe that is the main reason and at the time nobody knew what that was and I mm-hmm. really struggled with concentration I struck but the arts were the thing that I would just like flourish in and I could mm-hmm. just be myself well not myself but a version of myself yeah and then I went to uni at Goldsmiths mm-hmm. which is where I became gay and also decided <laughs> I didn't want to do acting but I love the way I said became gay obviously no, I, was I liked already that. no I liked it but I didn't know 
Did you not? No, I we, had no idea. Did you have... So something we've spoken about a few times on the show before with uh, fellow female guests is about sort of intense female friendships growing up where they Oh, were. massive codependency yeah. issues with friends. Yeah. And, but also, interestingly, like friends who I'm still friends with now who are, mo- for the most part, straight. So it was really a straight relationship, but I have such strong connections with women as a whole or more people who lean more into the effeminate side of themselves whether that be like non-binary people or boys that are a little bit more effeminate like I had a best friend growing up who was just um he wasn't effeminate like that's a it's a weird word to use it's like just in touch with the side of them that wasn't it's hyper masculine sure my dad was not hyper masculine he was in some ways but like as a human as a personality he wasn't hmm. my brothers also swung kind of like both ways not sexually, as in their sort of like aura was like, and so I just am drawn towards the feminine more, to, more yeah. than masculine. Um, that makes sense if they grew up in a household where like your dad was very sort of at peace with himself. And he liked women a lot. Like he loved the company of women and being mm. around women and adored my mum. And um, so, yeah, I kind of had those intense relationships. And I remember when I did plays at school that I had crushes on the girls that I did plays on but I did not logically realize that they were right. crushes and I just thought oh my god I really like being around this person yeah and um the old retrospective crush yeah and all like <laughs> Miss Honey was the first but I also had a teacher who I've spoken about on a podcast before called Miss Laywood sorry if I'm like na- but it doesn't really matter to her that I'm naming her but I was in love with her and I didn't realize it. I was junior school so I must have been like nine or eight and I remember her face. Like, I don't remember anything mm-hmm. from school. And I remember her exactly. I remember everything about her. And I now retrospectively know I was, like, completely obsessed with her. Mm. Um, and, yeah, like, all my friends experimented at school with girls. And I just really did not. I was like, no, that is not for me. I love boys. And do you think that was part of you? Was there any part of you, do you think, that was, like... I'm not engaging with 100%. that. 100%. Yeah. yeah. That and also the example that I was set was my parents were so in love with each other. It was so that's romantic. So nice. Yeah, very much snogging in front of everyone and like oh, all that kind of cute. stuff. Yeah, so I, I had this notion of what my life was going to be and mm-hmm. it was going to be exactly that. I had a boyfriend at 17. Um, I was going to marry him. And now I look at that. Like when I meet girls that are like 21 and they've got like boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever, I'm like... Just don't, just don't think that that's forever. Well, no, it's nice for them to think it's forever, but and it's and it's you know you learn so much from your first heartbreak. But but yeah, I I only really clocked it when I never even. I remember we'd go, I'd go to parties and all my mates would be snogging each other, and I'd be like, "That's disgusting. I will not do that." And what I realised in retrospect is I think that I actually wanted to do that, and therefore them doing it a lot of the time to kind of like be silly or to placate men or to like yeah, you know totally. do the things that we're kind of taught to do i d- found that uncomfortable mm. whereas when it be- when i went to uni uh, goldsmiths is a very like queer university yeah i don't know much but like i know it's a really good university but oh, like, it's were you- very gay and were you quite excited to like move to london because yes, I-, I was desperate yeah i like, didn't I care where i went thing. i yeah. was like just get me to london get me to study drama yeah and yeah, I started snogging girls on nights out and then I was like, I like this too much for it to be just fun. And then I cried for like three weeks and I was like, oh my God, I'm not straight. 
Yeah, I read I'm that. by. I've got that written down. Yeah. I cried for weeks. Yeah, I did. I was really horrified by the thought of being gay because I just had this mapped out idea that I was going to marry a man and have a child um, in the way that this sort of society tells you you will. And also I think there was the element of I did not fancy any of the people that that identified as gay at my uni. Right, okay. Because I think there is a vast contrast, even 10 years ago to now, of of girls being out Mm -hmm. that don't necessarily look the certain way or act a certain way. Like, I would say, like, I... I don't necessarily... I'm sort of like straight passing is what people <laughs> yeah. call it, what people say to me. And it's like, I wish I hate the concept that it's anything like that. But at the time I did, I wasn't really... I was like, I fancy my friends who are straight. Right. But then as time went on, it was more that I just fancied more effeminate women. And that yeah. wasn't... That had nothing to do with their sexuality. And yeah. it, I think more and more so now people are more open about their sexuality and they're more open to like trying relationships with yeah, women. And I think so. When you said you had that kiss on a night out, like, mm. was it like a, like something clicked? Were you like... No, I just kept doing it. And I right, was like, why do okay, I keep right, snogging okay, girls? I see, okay, I see, I see. And also I just didn't really, like, I didn't really vibe with men other than in a sort of codependent marry me way. Like, right. I wasn't like, oh my God, I really want to get with this guy and like mm. go home and sleep with him. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> kind of like... Oh, I should have a boyfriend, so I should do that. And I do fancy men and I find men attractive. And in some some ways, I wish I was like, you know, maybe a bit more bi because mm. it'd be like maybe a bit easier to find a part. I don't know. It just gives me more options. But I'm really not. I'm like, I'm like 90% gay. <laughs> Ninety-eight percent, even maybe, but I, I, but I love men and I love yeah. hanging out with men. I love and, being around men. Yeah, I've got I, really re, re, some of my best friends are really. That sounds like I mean, some of my best friends are men. Some but, of my best friends are men. But I no, love I, them. I, I get on really well with certain types of straight men. Yeah, I get on. With, I get. On, I get on well with most people, and but I just know. Basically, as time went on, I got gayer and gayer and gayer. So after those sort of two or three weeks of crying. Mm-hmm. Took me a year to actually. I was about to say, how mm. long before you sort of? Because I know that there's there's a number of coming outs. Mm. I mean, and you know, in many ways, we still all have to do it every day. You know, like I, I do it now for the first time as a mum, where I like go to like a oh, yeah, school thing tough. where I'm like, oh no, she has another mum. Like yeah. you know, and you and it's actually because we live in Brighton, it's totally cool. Yeah, but you, there is that sort of constant coming out. But I think you do it a number of times where you sort of come out to yourself. So if you sort of realised that, how long was it before you sort of said it to another person? Oh, I said it constantly. Oh, really? I was a very, like, anxious person. And so I sort of broached it with my... Me- like, just basically no one cared. Right, And okay. so I was... And so I think also, honestly, I was so boy mad, in quotation marks, that everyone was like, she's just having a bit of a moment where she fancies girls a little bit. And I don't oh. think anyone expected me to be as gay as it turns out I am right. um, which just shows how repressed I was for the whole of my childhood and then to, through no one's fault because like when I was like 11 or 12 my dad was like oh by the way if you're gay like I've spoken to both your brothers about this like if you're gay that's fine and we don't care and just say and that's I was like, so and I was like, lovely I was like what's gay who are you what are you talking about your dad sounds lovely yeah he was a legend he was um but he yeah so i didn't i there was never like when i told my mum she was like okay 
like it was almost like I was atten- it was almost like everyone was like yeah no one cares and I was like oh well, can someone like be a bit dramatic about it because Did you, were you looking for a bit of a response well no I was looking for it to be like to be li- I was looking to be listened to and I think my uh. family is a loud family and everyone's just like yeah everyone's screaming like about being gay or being this or being that so like whatever shut up just crack on I've just got an image of everyone just being really sh- just shouting constantly yeah yeah, yeah. So oh, no, like, no. genuinely what's Christmas like extremely loud <laughs> Um, and Do you have to take like little ear defenders? Yeah. Well, I have my I have a stepdad now, and he's so not loud, and he um it, it, he he's got a hearing aid now, so he can just turn it down when I'm around. Do you but think like, he's got a hearing aid because he's been probably, in your family for a while? Probably, probably. <laughs> Sorry to him. Um, Damaged his eardrum. But also, he even before that, he used to have this amazing ability to just absolutely ignore me, like. Because we get on so well, like I'm so close with him, but he, I would just be like talking to him and he'll just not be listening. And I'm like, you're so good at that. Like, well done. Because like you have come into this family where like we're all screaming at each other and everyone's shouting and it's a lot. He can just turn it down. Yeah. And he can just wind it all the way down. But the only thing that ever really was a question was like when I really started like being like, I know I'm a lot gayer than I thought I was. My mum was like, I'm just worried that you're going to be bullied. I'm just worried that Mm. you're... And and I think that happens to a lot of people where they take it because you're so vulnerable about that coming out. And I definitely did take it badly. I was like, it's coming from a place of they have lived in an existence where being a lesbian is not okay. Mm-hmm. So they're like, but wait, everyone's going to be horrible to you and you're not going to be able to have kids. And, da, 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 da. and I was like, no, I want to have kids. Uh, well I think I do at the time I was like definitely want to have kids definitely want to get married definitely want to do all these things and then as soon as like she realised that like life wasn't going to be that much drastically harder for me she was like okay fine and then also she loved like she's loved my all my girlfriends love them love them love them like obsessed with them more so than me so she like there's never really I'm very 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 grateful and lucky that I mm. never really had it was more like undercurrent homophobia that I experienced like um, which I think a lot of us experience all the time, which is just like, who's the boy? Who? And it's like weird questions that not my family, but like no. external people. And it's like odd. It's just like odd. Like, would you? Because asking a girl who is a lesbian or a person who is uh, identifies as a lesbian about them and their partner and being like, who's the boy? Is like saying to a straight couple. So like, do you? Do you peg him or does he <laughs> yeah. does he have sex with you? And it's like... Well, like, who earns the most? Yeah. Like, who's, but I think it's almost it like related in sexual. Yeah. I think it's sexual. It's like, you want to know who's dominant and that's weird. Yeah. Don't ask me that. Like, because the answer is both. Yes, no, well, of course. Um, but, it's, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that's the only thing that, like, kind of annoys me in discourse now is like, oh, you don't look gay. It's also... And it's the same with age. Oh, you don't look that old. And I'm like... Yeah... I also I'm like great, but you know, <laughs> it's such a different time. I think from when I think like from when sort of our parents or like you know just a few yeah. generations above us, it was so sort of prescriptive of like who, who we should be or how we should look or mm-hmm. how we should hold ourselves. And I think, I mean, and I may be wrong, and people do get in touch with me and tell me if I am, but like I feel like there were a lot of queer women, like you know in the 60s and 70s that were like massively butch because they were just like subverting what they were meant to do. It was like they were almost, you know, to a degree, not putting on a show, but there was like a loudness to it that was like kind of a fuck you. Yeah, and I I think now the subversion is being 
looking completely straight. Yeah, or, or looking completely as you want to. Exactly, and they're not. And that's something that I'm like, because I play with, definitely with my clothes and stuff, I play with gender, I play with what the idea is of what I should look like. I mm-hmm. go through stages. And this is why, like, you, when it when it, it just is really complicated when it comes to dating, because it's like, I'm just going to assume that everyone in this room is a little bit gay until they tell me otherwise. Um, Because that's the thing is like, there is still this element of being queer and being like, I have to work out who I can flirt with in this room. I mean, I just flirt with everyone. Good for you. But you know what I mean? It's like, are you... you How about... um, So you came out when you were at Goldsmiths. How much did it... Like being a... I'm trying to think of like a, a really famous gay female presenter because obviously you know it's a different road for our our, our gay brothers Um, and I guess like you know you've got Sue Perkins and Sandy who both sort of come from a sort of a comedy stand-up sort of background but was there part of you when you decided oh maybe it's not acting maybe it's presenting maybe it's more me front and centre than putting on a character Mm. was there part of you that thought oh fuck how much how much can I be me how how out should i be mm-hmm. how yeah because like you know let's be honest you know like we like you know on the whole things are pretty good here it's it's really not great for trans people in the uk but you know there's i, I feel like we're making steps there, there there has been progress certainly for queer women and for gay men even more so in the last sort of i don't know 40 50 years but there's still there's still like rampant homophobia in this country. Like, was there part of you that worried about being out? When I first came out, I completely didn't talk about it right. in the public eye. Yeah, I um, was terrified that I would be pigeonholed because mm. I didn't really even know who I was or what I was doing. I had a partner for eight years. The whole of my twenties, I was in a relationship, and during that time, I didn't ever feel gay enough to talk about it. I never felt queer enough because when I first came out I was kind of bullied in a way like by other queer women actually weirdly. Oh, really? only because it it wasn't like bullying like oh you know I just think it was that natural biphobia where I was bi and therefore people thought I was here to like play with girls emotions mm. you know I was here to like for various reasons like you know I would for example get with a girl and then decide I didn't want to date them and be like and then it would be like you're a you know a bad person, so I didn't really feel allowed to talk about queer rights um, until like fairly recently, to be fair, and like and and in terms of what I've realised now is the situation for the trans community is is horrendous, and so the more that me as a privileged white mm-hmm. woman, cis woman, yeah talks about it the more it becomes in the discourse whether that be any part of the lgbtq plus issue yeah, absolutely and so for me my most important thing was when i realized i i know a lot about this subject mm-hmm. i can talk about it and i can do it in a fun way because there's lots of incredible activists out there doing incredible work for the lgbtq plus yep. community and i'm not one of those i would never call myself an activist but what i am is one of those people that talks about it 
like that thing that you said earlier about I want to talk about queerness as much as possible. I want to talk about it in a way that you don't even notice that I'm doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So that, you know, like when someone listening to the radio is hearing that that might be a bit like homophobic or a little bit on that spectrum and they have a child that maybe is going to come out in a few years, just us being there and sort of like talking about it. And I really feel strongly that with my privilege, I've got to double down and do it even more Mm -hmm. than my trans you know yeah brothers and sisters and the people in the trans community and the non-binary community and all the communities that are less spoken about yeah, than my own yeah so that it's a bit easier i hope so yeah, anyway 100%. that's the way i'm seeing it in my head is that is if i can talk about this as much as i possibly can in a subtle way because that's yeah. how i do it totally and i think like it is about i mean i hate I hate using the word normalising because, first of all, I'm not entirely sure what normal, normal is. And I think it, most normal things are probably like intensely is, boring. Yeah, normalising is yeah. good because it's like getting it into the public discourse without people going, <gasps> what are you yeah, trying to exactly. do over there? It's like, like, I've done it quietly and you didn't notice. Yeah, like talking to four million people on a morning and just mentioning that you you had a date with a girl that night. Yeah. Or something like that. It's just about it being... Something that happens. Yeah, and also, how else am I going to get a girlfriend if I don't talk to four and a half million people about How's it? How's that going? Are you trying to? Are you try? Are you being out as much? Is, is that why you're really out as much? Yeah, as possible? it's you're all completely hunt. selfish. It's you're on the hunt for a girl. Well, okay. do you know what it is? No, I'm actually not really dating at the moment because I just am um, really enjoy. I've done a lot of therapy, and I'm really in a place where I'm like, when the right person comes around the corner, I will snap them up. But yep. until then, I'm just going to chill and enjoy myself. I think that's really, really good. Yeah, I think that's really good. Do you date a lot? No, not really. No. Because I'm kind of always, I've always been the one that kind of spearheads the dating. And what tends to happen is a girl will approach me and then we'll date and then it, it's we're, it's not a match, but I'll keep pursuing it because I like think they're great or whatever. And now I'm kind of in that place where I'm ready for someone to ask me out on a date. Yeah, good for you. You've yeah. got to do that. Yeah. You've absolutely got to do that. So what what's like next for you? It feels like you're smashing it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Like, I know that, like, you've spoken a lot about being, about, you know, taking your full self to her work and how, like, how important you're, you know, to talk so openly about queerness and be exactly who you are on screen, on radio. But, like, are there jobs that you're like, I want to be doing that? Or, I, like, what would you love to be doing? Oh, of course. There's so many jobs that I would love to do. My main thing is, yeah, there is enough jobs for everybody. Yeah. And- and however when I was younger it was always which is why I think I came from a bit of a fear mentality when I was younger I was like I'm scared to do this scared to do that because everyone was like oh it's really hard mm. oh you probably won't make it oh, it's probably- <laughs> and so <laughs> so true and I now come from this mindset of like I know that I'm in the right place that I need to be right now and the things that come in for me are the things that I should be doing so mm. I don't I try and let go of I want to do this yeah show. no I think that's really really wise um but what I will keep doing is being myself and hopefully people will pay me to do that yeah and also I will make people laugh in the process because that's my key I just want to make people happy I want to be that person that like I'm not necessarily I'm not a brain surgeon but I am going to make you feel better if you've had a really shit day or um, maybe you'll see it and be like do you know what I'm going to go on a date with a girl or a boy or, or a non-binary mm. person that, or you are non-binary and you want to date someone you know I want people to watch me and be like oh yeah it's chill to be gay yeah you know and but that's not my job my job is to make people laugh and to make people feel better yeah hopefully most of the time 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. Do you um do you think you just saying about like being feared out when you started? Do you think that people were saying a similar thing to like young boys in the industry being like it's probably not going to work it's for like no. how much of you yeah I was, I was wondering about that because obviously your sexuality is part of it but it's mm. always a multi-layer thing like I don't really know an awful lot about becoming a presenter or being a presenter like do, how different do you think it is for women and if that's an annoying question don't answer because I hate when people ask me about being a female comic no I don't care no 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 I like talking about being a woman love women like talking about it um <laughs> So let me answer this in a nuanced way. I'll try my best. I think that, again, I am a white woman. So I'm very privileged in the sense that I'm already in a better position in terms of the way society treats Mm -hmm. a lot of women. Yeah, 100%. Um, But I do still see heavy sexism in terms of hiring people. Yes. But then I think it's, it's... drastically changed in the last three four years yeah i think it's almost become like cool to be a woman and dj yeah definitely we want to hire a female dj and you kind of have to ride that wave of like do you know what all of a sudden it's become oh take the money yeah take the money and run totally but you're like really good at like putting other people's voices out there because you do you like do a lot with like emerging female djs as well you're really good at like you're not, you know, you definitely aren't someone that like pulls up the ladder. You're like, you throw your arm down and you're like, hey, there's a ladder here. But <laughs> like, that's the thing that I think is most important is if you come from a mindset of, well, if she gets that, then I'm not going to get I remember I had a, I got a job, like a really big, got put up for a really big job recently. It was a DJ set and I didn't get it. But this other girl I know got it. And I was so happy. I was like, that's great. She's a really good DJ. In fact, she's probably a bit better than me. So I was like, that's great. I'm really glad that she got it. Because number one, I'll tell you one thing about this. makes you feel a lot happier in yourself to to live like that. But there was just this one realisation where when I was younger, I thought I need to do exactly this and exactly that and exactly that. And then I'll get to where I want to go. And that just is never the way. Mm. You have to relinquish control of what job you're going to get and where you're going to be. And and as long as you stay true to yourself and you work really, really, really hard, you will get to where you need to go. And Mm. you don't need to worry. Like, it's amazing when another woman gets a job. And also, you know, I'm not being sexist. Like, anyone gets another job as long as they're good at it and yeah. they're going to smash it. Like, I just don't, I don't really feel that that element of jealousy because I love to see other people win. Yeah. Because what does that prove? It proves that people can win. Yes, totally. And I think as well when, I mean, making it specifically about women or making it specifically about queer women, when I see someone like, like my friend Jen Brister's absolutely smashing it at the moment. She's mm. had this like moment on sort of social media and her ticket sales have just skyrocketed. And I've been friends with her for years and years and years she was so supportive of me when I first started comedy Mm -hmm. and watching another gay woman like just smashing it it sort of reminds you that it's possible oh I love it it's like this is you know like had I been 16 and seen someone like Jen like you know selling out all these rooms doing Ali Pali three times and that sort of thing I would have been like oh my god my life's going to be okay there's space for someone like me 110% and it's the same and it's the same with you know all kinds of of people but just seeing especially people that are you know often not white straight men you know and don't get me wrong there's loads of great ones but when you see someone really thrive and you go oh yeah it's not been super easy and you've done it yeah that's inspiring I I love it and it's also like there's a lot of talented people out there and it's really nice to see like for example right now if you look at the tv world 
Maya's hosting Love Island. Yeah. AJ's hosting oh, Big yeah, Brother. Yeah, yeah. Like two brilliantly talented, lovely exactly. women as well. And it's like this is great. Yeah. Because maybe it would have been a guy yeah. a few years ago or whatever. And it's just like really lovely to see talented people get their flowers and people who work really hard. And mm. I also just enjoy it. I enjoy to see other people shine. Like loads of my friends. I remember people telling me like, oh, it's really competitive, girls and girls. No, it's only competitive when other people put competition on to women. 100%. Loads of my friends are female presenters. Yeah. Like Tania, who I work with, she's at Kiss. Like I've like really close with loads of the girlies in the industry and it's so nice. Like I love Clara, Amber. Yeah, I think she's, she's fantastic. smashing it. And again... I stopped her on the street the other day. I was like... You don't know me. She was like, oh, no, I do know who you are. And I was like, I just want to say, I think you're brilliant. And she, she was like, is. oh, thank you. Like when I saw her <laughs> just... hosting the Barbie premiere, I was just like, oh, my God. She's she so great. is amazing. She looked beautiful. She smashed it. Her interviews were hilarious. And it's just like, that is things that I love to see. Yeah, totally. Because it's like, it just doesn't take anything away from you. And, you, and the only way I think you get to that point is just believe in yourself. Yeah. You know, I don't believe that I'm the best presenter in the world, but I think I'm good and I've got a good, like, I like what I do. I think I do something a bit weird and different to other people yeah. and that's good enough for me. And if you yeah. want to hire me, here's my... No, <laughs> but yeah, no, I just love to see it and I, I really I really feel extremely lucky to be in this industry and, I, and I'm so grateful that it's taken me a few years to get here. Yes. If you're listening and you want to do something like this don't listen to because I remember I sat in a meeting with a guy when I was about 26 and he said you haven't got long left you need to be quick and the and I just I literally and I took that home and I cried and then I went fuck him I am literally gonna show you how you are so wrong and it is wrong because yeah. if you look at the age of a lot of the women who are smashing it right yeah, yeah, now, yeah, totally, it ha- it's completely irrelevant. Yeah, hundred percent, it's completely irrelevant. Also, like, who's at home watching TV? Like, it's not like you know, like people want to watch people that look like them. All ages of people watch TV, hundred and listen to the radio. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's- so it's loved. I love it. I do. I feel very grateful to be here and to be queer. Good. I'm I- here and I'm queer. <laughs> and I think it comes from a place of like when you're quite solid in who you are. That you can be happy for other people. Yes, I. I think, I, I think I'm at that place. I'm definitely not like 100. percent Oh my god, like Brene Brown, for example. But like <laughs> I am in a good place. And I think going back to what you were saying about there hasn't been the female representation that I want to see of queer people mm-hmm. in telly. Yeah. And I'm. That's what I'm wanting to do. Because like up, I went to Pride this year in London, and so many lovely girls came up to me, and they were like, "You really helped me come out." And just seeing someone that you identify with, because I didn't see anybody on telly that I identified yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Like, because I didn't. I and I love Sandy Toxvic, and I love like you know Sue is incredible, but I didn't necessarily identify with them yeah. as a queer person. And I wasn't like, oh, they're just like me. So I want to have. I do want a queer version of me on the telly because yeah. I don't think there is another female lesbian presenter other yeah. than those two that I know of that I'm like... That are doing big stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. There's loads of people that are smashing it, but I mean sort of like when I was younger and mainstream telly, I was yeah, just yeah. like, I would love... It's like to, household names. Yeah, I would like for there to be a lesbian on the telly and it's not about her being a lesbian that 100%. is the reason that she's on the telly. Yes. Yeah, she's just being herself. 
She's and just doing there. her job. Exactly. Now I'm going to ask you this final question. It's what I ask absolutely everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of thinking of that version of Harriet that went home and cried for three weeks. Yeah. If you can sort of... Channel her. If you were to a degree or like you can think about that version of yourself or indeed you can think of maybe someone that's listening to this right now who might be going through a similar thing, who's just maybe realised, and it doesn't, you know, there's lots of people that get in touch with the show who are a bit older or they've lived a life, a certain life mm. already, and they've, they've realised something about themselves later on. If you could reach out to them and mm. give them a few words of encouragement, what would you say? That's a really beautiful question. The thing that I would say is, you know, in life you go through different things one of the main things that I've learned is that like age is irrelevant first and foremost like you don't need to rush queerness Mm -hmm. because I loved my boyfriend that I had for three years I would not change a single thing I loved and that's why I was reluctant to call myself a lesbian for a long time because I didn't want to discredit the fact that I loved him but now I identify as a lesbian I might date a man in 10 years who knows Mm -hmm. but let's see I don't think that's going to happen so my words of encouragement would be be yourself and a lot of girls come to me and they say oh I do find women attractive and I don't find myself necessarily aligning with men in the way that I really thought that I would but I'm scared to hurt a girl I'm scared to do something where I end up realizing that I'm not gay and I the answer I give to every single person that says that is firstly you could fancy one person of the same gender or one person that you see as queer in your whole life And you can call yourself bisexual, queer, pan, whatever Mm -hmm. you want. Labels are there for you to categorise yourself. And if you don't want to label yourself, you don't have to. But I I felt that it helped me to come Mm -hmm. out. So that's the one thing is a label is irrelevant. And, And secondly, I wouldn't know that I'm gay had I not snogged a girl. Yeah. So if I'd not gone out and and experimented, as long as you're communicative experimenting and working out who I am and the third thing I would say is you know a bit like when you have a breakup and you're in that moment and you're like life is never going to be okay again Mm -hmm. I'm never going to my heart is never going to heal my life is never going to be the same in that way I felt like that when I realized I was queer Um, I was scared I didn't know what it meant I didn't know what I would end up doing how easy it would be this that and the other I've never been happier in my entire life than I am now that I know who I am and I know my sexuality and I know where I fit in the world that I feel like I'm in and so I think allow yourself to be yourself and try not to police it before it's even become a thing because I think a lot of people police themselves of oh well I don't think I can imagine myself with a woman. Neither could I. Mm. And now I cannot imagine marrying a man. I'm like a reverse homophobe. It's like, oh, I do love men, but I couldn't imagine myself marrying one. Like, And that's, you know, a place that it took me a little while to get to, but it also has been the most beautiful journey in the world. You're never too old. You're never too straight. You're never too gay. There's no... Let, you don't sit on any part of the spectrum and I've gone through this I am the spectrum <laughs> I started straight and I've ended gay and I might flip around you know a few more times before I really settle on the right person but it's really irrelevant look at gender gender is not binary you can you can feel yourself in whatever area of the gender spectrum that you sit on Mm -hmm. and it's the same with sexuality and please 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 don't listen to anyone that tells you how gay you are yeah 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 because you are the only person that can work that out and do you know what they say 
Try before you buy. <laughs> Try before you buy. Give it a go. In the same way that I have got with men in the last, you know, however many years. Won't be naming which amount of years ago that was. But um, And I was like, no, don't want to do that. And it's like, oh, I didn't think about how bad that would be for, for him. I was like, oh, because I was communicative. And I was like, I'm not sure if this is what I want. It wasn't. So it's oh. and it's like, love him. Gorgeous man great stuff but like it's you've got to try before you buy and as long as you're communicative and you're yourself and you don't go out there to hurt other people then slay the day away babes slay the house down boots kiss as many girls as you want (laughs) the perfect way to end the podcast thank you so much harriet that was perfect that was harriet rose absolutely brilliant love that girl what a babe now As I mentioned at the top, I am having a little break from out now. So I'll be back in 2024. God, that feels wild, doesn't it? 2024. I'll be back next year, at the beginning of next year at some point, with some more interviews to share with you. And now I'm going to have a little break and uh, eat quite a lot of chocolate, I imagine, and maybe do some cooking. I mean, you don't need to know the ins and outs of what I'm up to and do some writing, but that's what I'll be doing. And I hope that you also get to have a bit of a break over the festive period as well. I'll chat to you next year. Take care. Bye-bye.